God, we love you, and we just, we give you praise, God. We just are so in love with you this morning. We're just so grateful, so thankful for the gift of your son, so thankful and grateful for, uh, just for, for everything that you give us, God. May this Christmas be the Christmas where, or be a Christmas, where, where this story, this gift of your son just comes alive and gives us such a passion to live for you, to make a difference for you, God. This is such, a, such an amazing time of year, this Advent season, where we, we celebrate your coming, but we also look forward to another coming, God. I would just pray that you would uh, just ignite a fire within us during this Advent season. God, I pray this morning like I pray every Sunday morning that you would speak through me, that the words that are coming out of my mouth would not be my words, but would they be your words for your people on your day, how we do this for you, for no other reason. I just pray that you would, you would speak through me, who would leave here knowing that we have met with you and heard from you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Advent is one of my favorite times of the year, uh, just as... Just in the Christian calendar, there are, there are times that just stand out to me as important times. Advent is one of those times. Uh, Lent season leading up to Easter is one of those times as we focus in on, on Easter. Uh, but I love Advent as we just celebrate the, the coming of Jesus, the gift of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the baby in the manger. We celebrate this gift that God gave of Jesus. And we're going to talk, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about that. We'll continue talking for the next uh, two Sundays about that, including today. Uh, I, I just love this season. It's a season of expectation. We remember the coming of Jesus, but we also look forward to a second coming, to another coming of Jesus. This is not, Advent is not just a time where we look back on an event that happened 2,000 some odd years ago. We look forward during Advent, and we look forward to a second coming of Jesus, to, uh, to the final coming of Jesus. To, uh, this, is, this is what we celebrate here at Advent. It's a season of intentionality. Where we remind ourselves of what is important during this season. You know, we always hear this, this cliche, the reason for the season. Uh, but it's so true. It's important to remind ourselves what, what we celebrate this Christmas. What do we celebrate during Advent? What are we supposed to be focused on uh, during Advent? It just reminds ourselves constantly uh, what Christmas is all about. But you know, sometimes even in the spirit of, of Advent, we get caught up in some of the maybe circumstances surrounding it. Even during Advent, we, our focus is not always on Jesus in the manger. We focus on all the circumstances surrounding his birth. We focus on you know, the star and the shepherds and all of, all of the surroundings, the happenings, the manger, the, the barn that he was born in, or the stable he was born in. We, we, we just... We have this image of the birth of Jesus in our head, and sometimes we, we fail to focus on, on the baby being born. Who is this Jesus? Why did he have to come? And so for the last two weeks, this is what we've really been talking about. We've spent our time in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to keep going there today, Philippians chapter 2. If you want to go there, you can. It's on page 1012 in our, in our pew Bibles if you need that page. Uh, but we've been really talking through Philippians chapter 2 and talking about who is this Jesus? Why did he have to come? Uh, that's the question we're going to get to today. But, but really, the, the question we've been asking for the last two weeks is, who is he? Who is the baby in the manger? 
Right, Philippians 2, 6 says that this baby, Jesus in the manger, when he came, was, was fully divine. That Jesus, being in his very nature God, it says in Philippians chapter 2. We talked about the divinity of Christ. That, that as we look and as we picture the nativity in our heads, we picture this baby in a manger. We can tell ourselves that this baby is God. He is 100% God. Fully God. And in verse 7, we talked about last week, we talked about the humanity of Jesus. That Jesus says made himself nothing in verse 7. He became human. He became obedient to his own creation. We talked about the, the humanity of Jesus and the importance of why Jesus had to be human as well as divine. Why was the godness and the humanness of Jesus so important. That's what we talked about last week. And our salvation as we know it would be impossible were it not for the combination of God's, of Jesus's godness, which I know is not a word, but we're going to keep using it. Jesus's godness and humanness. It has to have both for our salvation to, to, to take root. It has to be both for it to even be possible. So this week we're going to keep moving in Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to turn there with me, some of you are already there because I told you to, I'm going to turn there. But as I'm turning, uh, just a, rem- a reminder of context here. This is Paul writing to a church in Philippi, uh, encouraging them to have the same mind, the same attitude towards each other that Jesus Christ had. And then he goes on over these next five verses, he didn't put verse marks in there, but over the next five verses as we know it, he goes on to basically give us a, a rundown of the theology of who Jesus is of why he came, of why it's important that he's here. And so he basically just, I mean, this is like a systematic theology here of Jesus in two sentences. <laughs> this is what Paul does here, but he does a wonderful job. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2. Sorry, I'm in, not Philippians, I was in John. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Therefore, sorry, verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Remember the divinity, the godness of Jesus. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a powerful passage about just who Jesus is. Again, verse 6, we're talking about the godness of Jesus. Verse 7, we talk about the humanity of Jesus. In verse 8, the question that we're answering kind of shifts a little bit from who is Jesus to why did Jesus come? I alluded to this a little bit last week. We were kind of switching the way we're going to talk about this. Why, why did Jesus come? Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There was a conference a, a long time ago. Not exactly sure which year, but it was quite some time ago. C.S. Lewis was on a panel in this conference. This tells you how long it was ago. It was a conference, uh, and this, this panel was on comparative religions. And uh, the question was, was offered, what is it that separates Christianity? Is Christianity, <clears throat> excuse me, is Christianity unique? C.S. Lewis spoke up. He said, 
That's an easy one. One word. Grace. This is what makes Christianity unique. Grace. We're going to talk a little bit about grace this morning as we, as we continue here, talking about Jesus being obedient to death even on a cross. But this is, this is just one, this one word, grace. Now, I, I was reading this week as I was getting, preparing for this sermon, and uh, someone said, uh, just gave kind of a warning as we talk about grace. He said, let's not yawn in the face of grace. Let's not yawn in the face of grace. Let's not just, just hear the word grace and be like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Let's not yawn in the face of grace. Let's continue to be in awe of grace. Let's continue to be in awe of the grace that, that Jesus gives us. And so this morning we're going uh, to take a look through kind of a series of events, a series of, of movements, if you will, as Jesus comes down to earth in the manger Jesus, this baby in a manger that we see in our nativity scenes, we celebrate each Christmas. This Jesus in a manger, as he comes down and he's in this manger, he's fulfilling verse 6, he is fully God. He is fulfilling verse 7, he is fully human. Now, why? Why did he have to come? There's some movements, I think, that happen uh, in the life of Jesus and in just just what has to happen with Jesus' life to get us to the end of this verse 8. Here's the first movement that needs to happen. Jesus makes a movement from exaltation. He is highly, high and exalted. We sing this in a lot of our songs. He is high and exalted. Again, in verse 9, we'll get to this next week, he returns to being exalted. But there is this movement from Jesus being exalted to Jesus being humbled. To G- from Jesus being exalted to the humility of Jesus. It's kind of this downward movement, if you will, of Jesus. Now, now why does this movement have to happen? Jesus goes from ex- ex- exalted to humble so that we might be exalted. This is what Jesus does as he comes down to earth. He goes from being exalted, being, remember in verse 6, he doesn't take equality with God as something to be grasped, something to be attained. He, he doesn't hold on to that. He comes down, he, he humbles himself. Now, this movement, I just want to even notice this in verse 8, it even says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Now, I want us to notice here that Jesus is not humbled Nothing humbles Jesus. Now, you and I in our lives have been, I'm assuming, I have, we've been humbled by some things. There are some things that have happened in our lives that have humbled us. Now, I remember there's just some things in my life that kind of took me off my high horse and, and humbled me a little bit. Uh, just a, kind of a funny one. In high school, I was uh, at a church in Auburn, California, Parkside. And there was a guy at my church, his name was Bob. He was kind of a, he was the, the resident old guy mentor for me. He was like my adopted grandpa. Uh, and so uh, me and him, we would joke a lot and he would uh, challenge me. He knew I was athletic, he, I played a lot of sports. Uh, he knew he couldn't beat me in basketball, uh, but he always said, let's get on the tennis court and see what you got. Now granted, I didn't play tennis. But I'm a 16, 17-year-old kid who's just super cocky, and I'm gonna, you have no chance against me, Bob. I'm going to beat you in the tennis court, too. So <clears throat> one day I took him up on this offer. We went to the tennis courts. And Bob, 
proceeded to just hand me just this just devastating loss. Like I didn't ha- have a chance against Bob on the tennis court, and I just remember walking up to the walking up to the net after this loss, just kind of with my head down, and just being like, "You were right." You got me. You know? <laughs> it was just one of these moments where I, just 16, 17-year-old me with all of this confidence with my, with my athletic ability, just being humbled and just saying, uh, you, you got me. You got me. You have 50, 60 years on me, but, but man, you got me on the tennis court too. So uh, you know, there's, there's moments in our lives, that's kind of a funny example. There's some more serious examples, obviously, of when we have been humbled in our lives. But I want you to hear this, that Jesus was not humbled. Jesus wasn't humbled. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself. No one humbled Jesus. No one took Jesus' life from him. I want you to hear this. Jesus humbled himself. Now, how do, how do I know this? Well, first of all, that's what it says in that verse. But also, we can go back to John. If you want to go back to John chapter 10 with me, just a, a few books back. John chapter 10. If you're in one of our pew balls and you want to go with me, 922 is where we're going to be. John chapter 10, starting at verse 17. Here's what Jesus says. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. I want you to hear this. Jesus no one is taking Jesus' life from him. Jesus is humbling himself, lowering himself, becoming obedient even to death, death on a cross. No one is making Jesus do this. Jesus is choosing to, to lower himself to this position. Why? So that you and I might be exalted. I think this is just so, such a powerful thing. I mean, he, he humbled himself. What does this even mean? I think we've seen a bit of this over the last couple of weeks, even as we've talked through Jesus' humanity, Jesus' divinity, his godness. We've talked through some of these things uh, that Jesus, being fully God, still makes himself fully subject to his own creation. I mean, think about this the glory of God is made known in all of the universe, but Jesus comes as a man, and is not even recognized. Can you imagine that? Jesus comes as a man down to earth and is just perceived as, as a normal dude. This is just Jesus. I mean, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus goes back, he's been teaching, he goes back into his hometown. The people in his hometown are like, wait, isn't this just... This is just the carpenter's son. This is just a normal guy. Like, what is he doing? He shouldn't be saying these things. He doesn't have any authority to say this. This guy is just, this is Joseph's son. Who cares about this guy? Can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Or Nazareth? (laughs) Can anything good? Where... This is just, Jesus is just a normal guy. But in reality, Jesus is, is being, he's humbling himself to even just being a human being. He goes from his glory being made known in all of creation to coming down as a baby in a manger and not even recognized as the Son of God. This is Jesus. This is Jesus humbling himself, going from from just being one with the Father to now being a human baby on earth. 
I think it's just such a powerful, powerful image of just the humility that Jesus has. Not only you can see that humility in just how he was subject to creation, but you can also see, especially in the book of John, how Jesus was humble. He even humbled himself, becoming obedient to the Father. Over 30 times in the book of John, Jesus talks about being sent by the Father, being, uh, <clears throat> just being obedient to the Father. He says this over and over and over again. Jesus is, is submitting himself, he's humbling himself to be submissive to his Father. And this submission is what makes it possible for you and I to be children of God. For you and I, one day, to, to be in heaven with him, to be, spend eternity with our God. It would not be possible were it not for Jesus going from exaltation to humility. Jesus makes this movement from kind of this vertical movement, from, from exaltation to humbleness so that we might be exalted. This is a movement that happens in Jesus. There's a second movement here that, that this scripture talks about, though, this movement from, from life to death. Jesus makes this movement from life to death. Why? So that you and I might have life. Again, he, he goes from exalted to humbled so that we might be exalted. He goes from life to death so that we might have life. All right, this is kind of the, the movement that Jesus makes here. We see it in John 1. We see it in Philippians 2 that he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the heart of Christmas. Jesus came to be obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mean, I want to take a few steps into the Christmas story this morning. I know I told you at the beginning we weren't going to go into the Christmas story until Christmas Eve, but I just, we need to go there a little bit this morning just to kind of drive this just piece home. So go with me to Matthew chapter 2 because there is some, there's some things that we need to see here about this, this baby in a manger. There is a magnitude in Christmas. There is this, that Jesus comes to reveal God to us. But him revealing God to us is not what gives us our salvation. Jesus comes, he, he, call, he came and he, he lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life. But Jesus living a perfect life is not what saves us. Jesus came to, to heal the blind. He came to, uh, to make the blind see. He healed all kinds of ailments. Jesus came to teach the truth. He came to proclaim the kingdom. Jesus came to feed the hungry. But ultimately, though, none of those things that Jesus came to do save us. None of those things. Ultimately, though, the purpose was this. Jesus Christ was born in a manger to die on a cross. I want you just to hear that one more time. Jesus Christ was born in a manger to die on a cross. I mean, just the Christmas story. I'm going to read just a few verses in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 9. This is as the Magi come and see Jesus. After they had heard the king, they went, their own, they went on their way. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. 
They opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is a familiar piece of this story, I'm sure, as these, these wise men, these magi come and they lay their gifts at the feet of this baby Jesus. Now I want to just, just, what are these gifts that they're bringing? These, these gifts bring, bring to light the purpose of Jesus' coming. I mean, first of all, they bring him gold. They are essentially saying this, that Jesus was born the king. Gold is something that you give to, to royalty. It was a sign of, of royalty. Just to bring him gold is just proclaiming that this Jesus here is, he is born the king. We come and we worship the king. They give him frankincense. Now frankincense in the Old Testament was used in the holy of holies. It was the incense that was burned in the holiest of places. They come and they bring him this this incense, this frankincense. And basically they're saying, this is, this is the one who will intercede for us. This is what's done in the Holy of Holies. There's intercession there from the priest, between the priest and us and God. They bring him this incense. They bring him frankincense. And they bring him myrrh, which is weird. Because myrrh is, is used in funerals. Myrrh is, is more or less embalming oil to keep the body smelling good. Can you imagine if someone came to your baby shower and gave you embalming oil? <laughs> that would be not a great, not a great time. <laughs> but this is what they bring, these, these wise men. They just, just think about the gifts that they bring Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, you are, you are born the king. You are the one who is going to intercede for us. And here's some embalming oil because we know why you're coming. Jesus was born in a manger to die on a cross. It's foreshadowed even in the very Christmas story that we read every year. This is it. He was born to die. He was born to die on a cross. And a cross is not a, not a fun death. That's a shameful death. Even Cicero, one of the leaders at this time, says, Far be the very name of the cross, not only from body, but from thought, eyes, and the ears of the Roman citizens. Basically, let's not even talk about the cross. It is that, that shameful, even just, we don't even want to talk about it. But this is the death that Jesus dies. Jesus was born in a manger so that we so that he might go die on a cross. Jesus went from life to death. Why? So that we might go from death to life. As we talked about last week, this is the crux of our salvation. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came. He was, he was born the king, but he came to save us. And so Jesus, as he goes from life to death, brings us to a point where we can go from death to life. Do you know what this is? This is grace. This is grace. This is, I think this is amazing. That through Jesus' shame, we might be honored. I mean, Isaiah 53 says that by his stripes, we are healed. 1 Peter 2, by his wounds we are healed. 
And we are healed because Jesus, as Jesus being fully God, Jesus in his godness, chose to become human and humbled himself to be obedient to death, even death on a shameful thing as a cross. This is, this is grace. But this is the story that we read at Christmas. This is the, the crux of the Christmas story. God's grace is amazing. He sent his son. He went from exaltation to humility so that we might be exalted. He went from life to death so that we might have life. This is what Christmas is about. And next week we get to talk about this again. Well, it's a, an exciting time as we talk about Jesus once again being exalted. That in the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Uh, we get to kind of finish this Christmas story, if you will, of who this baby in the manger is. But this is why he had to come. He, who is this Jesus? He is a, a he is Fully God, he is divine, but he is also human. This Jesus, why did he have to come? He came because this is how we have life. This is how we are saved. Jesus comes to be obedient even to death on a cross, the shameful cross, so that we might have life. He goes from exalted to humble, from life to death, so that we might be exalted and have life. This is grace. This is the Christmas story. And like I said last week, I know we're getting into a little bit of Easter, but that's okay, because this is where it starts. This is where the Easter story begins. Jesus is born in a manger to die on a cross for you and for me. Let's be thankful of that fact this week. And as you look at the nativity set that you've set up wherever you have set it up, just remember, Jesus came in a manger to die on a cross on a cross. Jesus came and humbled himself. Jesus came and went from life to death so that I might, and you might be, might be exalted so that you and I might have life and have it to the full. Amen. This is the, the power of Christmas. Let's pray. God, God, we love you. And we are just so thankful for everything that you give us, everything that you've blessed us with, God. God, as we, as we just read through Philippians 2 and see who your son is, this gift that we received 2,000 some odd years ago, God, I just pray that we would never lose focus on who it is that you sent and why you sent him. God, may we find joy and may we be thankful this week for the fact that Jesus came fully God, fully human, and humbled himself went from exaltation to being exalted high above all things, to the glory of, of his name being known throughout the universe, to being humbled, to become a baby even in a manger. May we be thankful that that movement allows us to be exalted. May we be thankful that this movement from life to death allows us to have life and to have it eternal with you, God. This is the power of Christmas. May we not lose sight of this baby in a manger born the king. May we be thankful this week. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you do, just ask you just
Hold your hands out and just receive a blessing from God this morning as you go. May our God, the God who loves you enough to send his son to earth for you, may he remind you of the power of this gift this week. May he remind you of the lengths to which he will go to be in relationship with you this week. May he remind you of the grace that he offers and the love that he offers you. And may this knowledge, may these reminders cause you to go out to make a difference in your community. Go in grace, go in peace, go in love. With the spirit of Advent always in your mind and always on your tongue. Go with peace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.